Section eight of the Seen and the Unseen by Richard Marsh. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Four. The Violin. Two. The next day there was a small party on the river. The party consisted of three. An old gentleman, a complacent old gentleman, who carried his complacence so far as to allow himself to be cast for the role of gooseberry a young gentleman his nephew and not to put too fine a point on it a young lady this young lady's name was minnie minnie west there is reason to suspect that she was the cause of the party we started it is probably unnecessary to observe that i was the complacent old gentleman from hurley and we paddled up the stream that is to say ernest paddled the young lady steered and i looked on we kept it up some time this paddling but at last ernest drew the boat into the shore we landed a hamper and ourselves we lunched under the shade of the trees while we lunched ernest persisted persisted is the word in conversing on a subject which was scarcely appropriate either to the occasion or the scene the subject of his lost friend and his phantom violin one does not wish to dwell on morbid subjects when one is lunching by the crystal waters but ernest apparently did not see it and oddly enough what he did not see it seemed that miss west could not see either when we had finished and done justice to the fair the young gentleman asked the question do you know why i have brought you here really the question did not need an answer the reply was evident the spot was charming sufficient shade above mossy verdure underneath and all around us except upon the riverside tall bracken which completely obscured us from the vulgar gaze ernest supplied an answer of his own do you remember that air which we heard played upon the violin do you remember that i told you it was a song of Courceau's, which he called where the willows cast their shade i told you too that it was written to commemorate some pleasant days which we had spent together those pleasant days were spent upon the river and the pleasantest of all those pleasant days were spent where we are now ernest as she called upon the young man's name the lady gave a little shudder it must be allowed that his manner was distinctly sombre it was a favourite place with him he used to rave about it in that raving way of his he used to say that here he would like to die and be buried he came here often when he was alone and it was here he wrote that song you see it is here that the willows cast their shade he raised his hand with a gesture which was distinctly gruesome looking up i noticed for the first time that the trees above us were willow trees i wonder why it is that the violin always plays that song and there came an echo from the young lady i wonder as she echoed the young gentleman's interrogation she leaned back against the tree a willow tree and put her hand behind her to pluck the bracken she had to stretch out some distance to do this suddenly she withdrew her hand with a half stifled exclamation what's the matter inquired the younger gentleman he wore quite an appearance of concern being still in that stage in which a tight shoe upon the lady's foot would give him corns most transitory stage too sweet to last i i thought i touched something 
she looked startled she put her hand behind her rather more gingerly than she had done before instantly she sprang to her feet in a state of most unmistakable dismay ernest there is some one there i touched his hand she stood trembling all over a pretty picture of distress in tan shoes and a white pique gown what do you mean cried ernest you are dreaming murmured i we rose together but he was the quicker going behind the willow tree he parted the bracken with his hands there is by george what are you doing there sir are you drunk why he stooped down good god he's dead suddenly with a loud cry he fell upon his knees it's Courceau. it was lying dead among the bracken where the willows cast their shade we thought at first that he had been the victim of foul play but subsequent medical examination showed that he had died of aneurysm of the heart brought on by want of nourishment in other words starvation and physical exhaustion he was nothing else but skin and bone and it appeared that he had walked from london it almost seemed without taking rest or food upon his way for the identical five shillings were found in his pockets for which he had sold his violin the supposition was that when he had sold his violin and played on it his last tune he had started possibly in some spirit of half madness for the identical spot which that tune commemorated and had reached it but to die on the previous evening after that final solo with which we had been favoured by the unseen musician i had placed the violin and the bow in the case and the case upon the topmost bookshelf in my library when i came home from that river party an accident had happened the case had fallen from the bookshelf to the floor in falling the lid had opened the violin had tumbled out the result was that the instrument which must have struck with surprising force against some piece of furniture had been shivered into splinters these we collected and with the bow which was also broken we placed in philip Courceau's coffin the dead man and his fiddle were lowered together into the grave end of section eight